a 2020 release from Pixar. It is the 23rd movie in the studio's filmography. Of course, 2020 was a year full of a lot of things, and not great movies was one of them. Is Soul one of those not great movies, or is it fantastic and an outlier in a terrible year? I'm joined by my good friend Phoenix Cloud, and once again, Phoenix, thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely, man. Love, uh, happy to be here, especially to talk about this movie. My name is Nathan Pig. You're listening to the End Credits Podcast. Obviously, we are breaking down soul for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. However you are listening to us, whether it be in your car, whether it be in your headphones, if you would, please go ahead and check out our other episodes. We did make a comeback here and we're coming back strong. We've got a lot of other great episodes out there for you. So if you like this, go ahead and check out our other stuff as well. We are also on TikTok at end credits pod. So please check that out over there. You'll see daily content from myself and you'll get to see some of the video versions of what you're listening to right now. So some good stuff going over there on TikTok. But with all that aside, let's go ahead and jump straight into it. This was a rewatch for both of us. Of course, we saw it back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Now, Phoenix, before you turned it back on today, before mm-hmm. you rewatched it today, what were your first what was your first review of Soul and how was that? Uh so uh this was one of the movies that was scheduled for a theater release in 2020 and got pushed to Disney Plus due to the pandemic. And they released it, I want to say, uh, Christmas Day or like Christmas Eve, something like that. And uh, I watched it that day uh, on Disney Plus. And I was so incredibly, incredibly moved by the film. Um, I, I just thought everything that Pixar did, like Pixar has released, I want to say, about three or four films since then since soul and uh they haven't gotten back to to soul in my opinion and so i was just like i was just over the moon impressed with everything that they did in in soul as far as the animation and music obviously and the storytelling uh so i was i was overwhelmed by it uh soul ended up being my number one movie of 2020 um still holds that spot uh, even though I, you know, there was some stuff that I really loved uh, that came out later, but yeah, I, Soul was my number one, so that's that's where I was at with it uh, first after first view. Huge fan of Soul over here, Mister Clouden. I'm glad to hear that your opinion hadn't changed on it. For me, after seeing it on Christmas Day as well, 2020, um, and we did our initial pod about it. I had thought that it was Pixar's most ambitious film yet. And that worked out. Normally when you take such ambitious, ambitious shots, excuse me, sometimes they don't work out. You shoot for the stars. It doesn't work out, but we'd rather take that chance. We talked a little bit, a couple episodes ago about how safe Lightyear was, mm-hmm. and we'd rather have Lightyear. We, we don't want to have something that's so safe just to rake in money, we want you to take these chances. And it might not work out like a turning red for me personally, like right. an onward, but at right. least you're absolutely 
shooting for the moon there. And with Soul, it lands. It lands. I thought it was Pixar's most ambitious project. And I really love that they made a film for adults almost. This is far and away, far and away Pixar's most adult movie. Of course, you throw it on, your kids are still going to enjoy it. Of course, I would still kind of call this a kid's movie. I still would, as all Pixar films are. But this fundamentally, what the story is telling and some of the verbiage they use and some of the lessons they incorporate, far, far and away, Pixar's most adult movie. And I really appreciate that. I 100% agree with that assessment. Um, Upon rewatch today, there were moments where I was like legitimately watching the film and I was like, oh yeah, I had to remember that this is animated. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I mean by like the animation style, like Pixar hasn't gotten back to this yet because it was so real, not, I don't want to use the word realistic, but it was so flawless and effortless that it looked literally like they shot this on the streets of New York. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's how it looked. It looked like it, they shot all the scenes in New York on the streets of New York and then animated everything in the great before, you know what I'm saying? Like that's sort of what it looked like to me. And like, there are moments in this film where I like, I legit had to be like, Oh yeah, that's right. This is, this is animated because my mind was so uh, just pleased by how visually well this movie was made. I think, I think Luca is actually gorgeously animated as well. I think they get, they get back to it with Luca from an animation standpoint. Um, But the themes in this movie now, let me preface this by saying, Pixar has always done an absolutely tremendous job of making the adults in the room get as much value out of it as the kids. And of course, I'm not saying that the adult is going to have as much fun watching The Good Dinosaur as your <laughs> little five-year-old is. Right, right. But most, mostly every Pixar movie has these life lessons uh, that an adult or a teenager or a young adult can understand and start to incorporate in their life. Almost every single one of them has this just incredibly rich theme that the youngsters won't understand until they get older, but the parents and the older folks watching it will love. And soul just feels like that cranked up to a million. And I love that. I love that. That absolutely, man. I mean, um, like watching it, I think the thing that really put it above a lot of films for me uh, in 2020 was like we were at a moment in time where life had essentially stopped. You know what I'm saying? And there's a moment in this film where Joe's like looking over the moments in his life and, you know, he's like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything with my life. And, like, if you were, you know, around in 2020, especially if you were an adult uh, during that time and seeing the world come to a, a complete stop, it was sort of like a assessment of where you were at that, at that moment in time. And, like, for a Pixar film, you know what I'm saying, an animated film, 
to really sort of capture uh, that feeling of, hey, looking back, what have I done? What exactly should I be doing? What exactly is my purpose in life? And I mean, like, obviously they didn't intend for there to be a global pandemic when they were making this movie, but it hit at such a perfect time. And it was just such the perfect uh, conduit for what we were actually going through at the time. So like, for me, like that's part of the reason why it hit number one in my book for that year was because it just, it spoke to that, that feeling that we were all experiencing at the same time. I couldn't agree with you more. What perfect timing. Of course, right. it's in the middle of the pandemic. There's nothing great about that. Right. But what its themes were about appreciating every little thing in life. You look at the endings near the end in the third act when Joe's got everything laid out on his piano. He's got like a half eaten bagel and he's got, I don't know the verbiage, but one of those spinny things that mm -hmm. falls from trees like these are such throwaway items that provide no value in our everyday lives, but it's Joe and it's Pixar and it's this movie trying to tell us the little things do matter because not only are there memories attached to it, but sometimes we just got to slow down and appreciate everything. We have to appreciate the fact that we do wake up every day and we do get a chance at life. We have the ability to walk down the street we have the ability to go and purchase and eat the food that we love and especially we get to practice play and participate in the activities that we love yes and for that story and a movie to communicate that during a time that was tremendously scary for the entire world it could not have been more perfect. I, I agree. And like the rewatch today was very interesting because I wasn't in that context, right? Like you, you're back at it, right? You're back to work. You're, you're, your mind is overwhelmingly consumed with, you know, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I got to, you know, said I got to do this and this and this. And you know, watching it again, I was like, oh, man, I kind of, you know, there's nothing great. Like you said, there's nothing great about a global pandemic except that appreciation of slowing down, right? And just getting your mind to say, like, hey, I don't have to do everything that I think I have to do to today. And I can just slow down and appreciate those things. And, like, it's moments like that that you, like, you search for that in your day-to-day like you only really get that. You only really get that moment where it's like, I get to take a hot shower today. And like, it was the best thing ever. You know what I'm saying? Or like, you know, I finally drunk like an entire uh, bottle of water and it was like so refreshing. Like that's, that's the kind of moments that we get in smashed in between like this chaotic run around that we're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and like again that's what i just I, like the the movie itself has you know intention and it has purpose and there's humor and you know there's different things that happens in it it's its own story sure but i think what it represents is probably the thing that's the most powerful about the film 
Yeah, absolutely. Switching gears a little bit here. I want to talk about the diversity in this movie. Obviously, the this is the most diverse Pixar movie to date when it was released. And for good reason. When you have animated films like this, there's no reason every character should be white. <laughs> there's just no reason. It's actually and, very interesting because it was one of those things where, like, if if you uh, watch it on Disney Plus, there's a uh, special feature about you know them seeking um, information from different uh, minority groups, and it's so interesting that the thought process was it never really occurred to them that they did not have predominantly you know characters of color in any of their movies it really was like we could have done this like forever ago and like there are certainly a few characters you know what i'm saying definitely side characters who are people of color but like never have they focused on a, a on a narrative from that perspective and like it was just so interesting uh to for them to finally do this i i highly recommend that special feature on Disney Plus because it's so interesting the 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 group of people that they assemble to to tell this story and the things that they say which are you know obviously you know n- no group is a monolith and like they all come from different places different experiences and they wanted to tell a story that was just as equally diverse as their experiences and I dug that. I absolutely love that. I didn't I didn't even know Disney Plus had that. So I'm definitely going to be checking that out, not just to make the lead character black, though, and have Jamie Foxx voice him. It was even these background characters that don't even get a line. And I love that. And that's how it should be. That's how it absolutely should be. It's it's the band that he goes to play with. It's the kids that are in his band when he teaches at school. It's even just some of these random people that he sees on the street. It's like, this is how it should be. And it stood out to me the second time I watched it. It stood out to me in all the best ways. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I didn't even consider, I didn't really think about that either. It's like, yeah, like why wouldn't you exactly like, why wouldn't you do that? Um, Because if, I mean, no matter who you are, you see, different people all the time you know what i'm saying different people different shades different sizes different colors uh in your everyday life and especially if you set a movie in new york city i mean come on like <laughs> you the biggest melting pot in the universe is there so like that idea of you know really uh having different and diverse characters even those who don't really get get a say you know what i'm saying there's a scene where the they're in the subway and the cat sits down in the seat and the woman scoots away from the cat. Like, I think she's Asian, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's just like, it's so random that they, that they do that. And like, it's something that you, you don't see focused on, but it is something that needed to be focused on. Yeah. And I, I don't think it was random. I think it was intentional and I think it's, it needs to be intentional um, until it's completely normalized because let's be honest, it's not. And it should be. And it's it's not random. It should be intentional up until the point where it doesn't even need to think be thought about. Um, Turning Red, as much as I do not love that movie, did a phenomenal job at this as well. 
they took it up to another level actually where there were characters complete background characters who didn't even speak that represented different inclusive groups for example there's a scene in turning red where she's in the bathroom and another girl is in the bathroom and that girl has an insulin patch on her arm that's true yes tremendous there's another character in the background who's in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. and there's a couple other examples that off the top of my head i don't remember but Pixar's definitely getting better at this and we love to see it because it should be like that in all movies, absolutely all movies, but in animation, especially there's no excuse why it shouldn't exist. No. Excuse. And I will say like, like Disney and Pixar have really upped their game. I mean, Raya, uh, Encanto, Luca, these are all like really, um, you know, specific stories to specific groups of people and they're gonna do more and i just think i mean they they hit it out of the park with a lot of these these some of these are some of my favorite disney movies of all time so like the 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 diversity isn't like uh in your face or anything it isn't like trying to you know show like hey you know we're doing something different like no it's there because these are stories that need to be told. And there's nothing unique about Joe's perspective about, you know, from specifically for him being black, but it is just that idea of seeing that story from a different person. I just think is unique. You're right. There's, there's nothing that makes Joe different than anyone else. Right. And all the more reason why it should be that one more thing to wrap this part part up is that, it's funny one of like obviously before details came out about this pixar was trying to keep everything under wraps but a very prominent taxi driver knew like a c apparently someone high up at pixar i don't know who it was a ceo or whomever someone very high up was in a taxi or a limo and that driver had said oh i know you're making a black movie or i know you're making a movie that focuses a lot on diversity and inclusion and the the high up person was like well how would you know that like what are you talking about and the driver said i've driven more black people more asian people to pixar studios <laughs> in the last month than right. i ever have right ever and he was like that's that's how i know that's and it's an you. incredible it's an incredible story that's i don't awesome. know how I don't know if that's something we can look up, but I know for sure that happened because I saw a TikTok on it by several different people. So pretty, pretty cool story. That's a really cool story. (laughs) Um, I'm the one that wanted to rewatch this specifically. Obviously, you love it. You'll you'll never complain about rewatching it, but I wanted to rewatch it specifically. First viewing, I gave it three and a half stars. And I gave it three and a half stars because I thought that despite all the grand life lessons and everything that was going on, I still thought there were some issues here. While you're making an adult movie, well, obviously, you know, the themes are about mm-hmm. are, are more mature. The themes here are more mature than a traditional Pixar movie. While you're doing that, I thought that it was so overly complicated with the plot i think there's a few things a few things you can cut out here to make it simple 
Like you've got when you die, your soul goes to the great beyond. And then we assume you're gone forever, but we don't really know that for sure. On the side, there's this whole like mentor mentee program where you mentor someone, you help this soul find their purpose in life, which I love. I think that works perfectly. Like you, you're finding your spark, you're finding what you're passionate about. But throughout there, there's like the you seminar and there's like the you've got like a whole sector of things that make you who you are. And then at the end, they're like, well, that's not your spark. That's your personality. You've got people counting. You got people chasing them down. You've got specific rules within the place. I thought that whole thing was just I think it's very complicated. Like it's it's way too complicated of a movie. And after rewatching it, I still feel that way. Mm -hmm. I still feel like it's so complicated for no reason. Not from a standpoint of, hey, we need nine-year-olds to be able to understand that. No, we're far past that point. (laughs) It's just like there's so much going on here, and I don't feel like there needs to be. I can can see what you mean. Like, definitely on rewatch, I was like, you know – the concept of the youth seminar and the mentee program and the whole distinction between finding your purpose and 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 or what your spark is or whatever. Um, I wouldn't say that it's uh, convoluted. I would say that it's not really explained very well. Like that's something that. I noticed on on second viewing it well actually this would be my third viewing <laughs> um but yeah it's just it's just something that I don't think is thoroughly explained well enough I think it would have worked better if we kind of understood that badge that the souls have and what exactly each thing represents and why you need that spark in order for it to turn into an earth pass I feel like if they had gone more into that uh, I know it sounds like I'm I'm making it more complicated, but like it actually like I feel like if we had gotten more of that, that would have cleared it up at least a little bit more. But again, on top of you know the youth seminar and and you know the mentee mentor program and and everything that happens on Earth, it may have been just a bit too much. So like maybe that's why I got taken out. But I don't know if I would have. I would have found a way to sneak that in because I feel like it was it was it's a slightly missing uh, ingredient to that concept. Yeah, and I understand the whole your purpose on this earth is not to play music, Joe. Your purpose on this earth is greater than that. Right. Your spark is music. That's what you love. Mm -hmm. But we did not put you on this earth. You are not existing solely to do that. Trust me, I I get that. And I love that as a theme. But the whole like, well, let's go and test your spark. And that's when you get the new badge. And that's how you get to earth. But if I love archery... Like archery was one of the examples they give. Right. If I absolutely love archery and that's my spark, that's good enough for me to go to earth and live my life. But that's not my purpose. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, 
it was it was complicated. It was complicated because especially because you see like oh okay you're you're really good at archery and and that and that's the final piece and now you have an earth class and it's like great I mean that means you can go to Earth and you know win archery competitions for all we know you know what I'm saying like that 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 could happen but your purpose is you know what I'm saying maybe I don't know uh whittling a bow and arrow or you know or designing something for someone it could literally be anything right your your purpose could literally be anything but that's also not decided there that's decided by you and your experiences and the collective of the people that you surround yourself with so like and i get that and like again like i said it's just it's way more interpretive than any other pixar film has been and it has been since uh which is which i think you know saying it, it adds to the maturity of the film but is also part of the reason why you can't definitively call it a kid's film because i i think you know what I'm saying? If you're 10 or 12, you might enjoy it. I think if you're any younger than that, a lot of this might fly over your head and you really may not even appreciate it until you're 10 or 12 or until you're 22, 25 or 35. You know what I'm saying? And that, again, that's that's another reason why I love it is like, depending on what age you're at and what experiences you've had, you could come back to this film and be like, you know what? No, this this was a masterpiece. <laughs> one thing I want to touch on as well with the complications of it that I didn't even talk about is the whole moon wind thing. Uh, the whole thing about moon wind and being this like rogue sailor surfer who brings people who are lost back and the whole lost souls thing. I get from a standpoint of when you're in a dark place and you feel like you don't have your purpose I understood the basic high level idea of that, the execution and how they write that in the film. I don't, I don't love, I don't love anything with Moonwind. I don't love anything with Moonwind. Mm -hmm. It's like they have this whole, they have two, these two ideas and they just needed something to bridge them together. So they made it this whole Moonwind lost souls plot line. And I've seen it twice now. And both times I've said, I don't think this works. Mm. I slightly disagree. Okay. Um, and and only really I disagree. I love the character Moonwind. I thought it was hilarious. Like in in terms of humor, I thought he was great. Um I do think it's a little convenient though, you know what I'm saying? Considering everything that is going on. Like if you honestly and, 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 you know, this is sort of where the film gets a little bit into fantasy and into kids land. And you could you can make an argument that this is where they decided uh, to to sort of keep it with a younger audience, because if you if you've died, let's say you had this experience, you died and you wound up in line for the great beyond and you snuck out and you failed to the great before and you ended up a mentor for, you know, a loss or for a young soul. And somehow you wound up back on Earth, you know what I'm saying, in the wrong body. Like, the idea that you're going to find a guy on Earth who's 
equipped with everything that you need to make this transition. He's going to know this whole thing about you needing to get back to your body, you needing to get to an ethereal plane, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, <laughs> like it's more of a plot convenience than anything. And I think, you know what I'm saying? Again, like every, every movie's got to have something that's a little bit convenient, but that's definitely, that that character is definitely that. I've talked quite a bit about what I didn't love the second time around. Phoenix, I know you obviously love this movie. You'd mentioned it's your top of 2020, even after rewatch. Is there anything in this that you maybe don't love or maybe you see as something that can be cleaned up or fixed? Uh, Beyond the, the, the things that we just talked about, like, I mean, yeah, you got a, a plot convenience character. You got uh, a little bit of messiness in the interpretation. Um, that's really it. Like, I would say, I would say, I kind of this. This is weird. You just asked me something that I dislike, but this is something that I I really like. Um, you know, there's still a mystery surrounding uh this character of Joe. You know what I'm saying? We we really only get a, a glimpse of, of his life and his experiences. And that, I guess you could say that's one thing that I dislike is that we have a fully realized character. We just don't have a fully explored character. One of the most important scenes in this movie, maybe the most important scene is the barbershop scene. Absolutely. Can you talk about why that has such significance, especially in a movie like this? I mean, I think number one is it's something that we've never seen in a in an animated movie at all. Uh, just you know, and and I, I and I know it came from that discussion that they had with so many minority creators that they were like, we gotta have a scene where this this guy interacts with people in this community, you know what I'm saying? Because there's so many, there's so often places that we go that are friendly. And, you know, we get to take some time away from our day-to-days and the people that we have to deal with. And we and we have a moment to deal with people that we're familiar with. And typically that that's gonna be the barbershop. That's the spot that you're gonna visit at least once or twice a week, you know, for whatever reason, line up, you know, get get your beard together something like that or you know it could just be the hangout spot you know like there's i, I don't know how often you visit black barbershops nathan probably not many but like like you know said there's someone there selling food there's someone there selling dvds there's something you can get like at any point in time in a black barbershop so you know what i'm saying like and then oftentimes it's just a great place for discussion uh, whatever the discussion may be. So, like, I thought that scene was tremendous. Like like we said earlier, like, there's nothing that really highlights Joe being a person of color except for that scene that really shows exactly uh, a part of a, a part of culture that we have that's specific to, to his identity. And I dug that. Of tremendous importance. Yeah, it absolutely. is. It is a very subtle scene that has a significant impact. And not only from what it means from 
a diversity and inclusion standpoint, but just like you had mentioned, just showing him interact with folks from his community and showing what that is like. I mean, it was great. It really was great. I'm so I'm so happy something like this exists in a Pixar movie, especially who we've talked about is doing much better job at this stuff. Um, not only was it phenomenal for its importance just in general, but for human interaction and what this movie is trying to say about not only appreciating the little things in life, but changing your outlook on how you live your day. You look at Des, is the barber right? Is it Des? Yes. You look at you look at Des, and when Joe walks in the barber shop. He's like, oh, Des is my guy. I know all about him. We always talk about jazz. And all while him and Des are good friends, and that's true, when 22's the one talking to him, Des is like, oh, yeah, when I got back from the military and my daughter, and this is why I cut hair. It's not because I love it. It's because I have to support my family, and then I just ran with it. And it's telling not just this vital importance of of black barbershops and what that means to the community but it's also telling like hey how you live your life needs to be assessed in certain aspects mm-hmm. needs to be reassessed and des's last scene is when 22 is like oh how come i never knew all that stuff about you and des is like well you never asked right and i think that that is so critical in general that might be the most subtle thing that this movie tries to say right. is yes. There's all these things about appreciating little things in life and, you know, don't take anything for granted and wake up every day. Like it's your last, but there's also that subtlety with the barbershop scene where it's like, maybe you don't know that much about someone that you think, you know, really well, Right? maybe you don't know that thing, that person, that item, that place, as well as you think you do and a simple conversation and being genuine to someone can a really change their day and can change your relationship with them for the better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, like, yeah, you said you hit the nail right on the head. Like as far as one of like the most impactful things and the most subtle thing that this movie does is just, highlighting like you you don't know someone else's story and just that level of intimacy that you could have with a person simply by asking them like hey you know how was your day or like what exactly is it that gets you up in the morning you know what I'm saying something like that and you could have a completely transformational relationship after that like that's tremendous like again I love I love a lot of things that this movie does but like This is my favorite scene in the whole movie because not only is it so important for all the reasons we already talked about, but just like barbershop culture in general and Des talks about it. He's like, "Um, do you want to keep that cat on your lap? And it's like, can I? And he's like, you're in the chair. It's whatever you want. So I'm sure when Joe's in the chair, they only talk about jazz because it's all Joe wants to talk about. Right, right. When we go get our haircut, wherever that is, it's likely always the barber talking to us. It's like, 
tell me about this. Tell me about that. And we're kind of spilling our story to them. Mm -hmm. How often do we know about our barbers? I mean, if you go to the same person very consistently, chances yeah. are you do. But yeah. I think barbershops is one of like getting your hair cut is one of the main places where it's such a one-sided conversation. It's almost awkward sometimes if you're not going to the same person over and over. So long story short, Des says, you know, you're the man in the chair. Like it's what you want to do. It's what you want to talk about. And that's why he never gets to talk about himself. That's why Joe doesn't know about his military background and his daughter and why he's a barber in the first place. So I just think for on so, so many levels, that's just such a phenomenal scene. I agree. 100%. Yeah. While we're diving into the absolute, you know, psychological aspects <laughs> of this film, something that completely blew by me the first time that I wrote down and made a point for us to talk about it tonight is when Joe is talking outside of the club after his first performance mm -hmm. and he's talking with um who who's who's the woman in the jazz club he plays with is it dortha is dorothea or Dor excuse me i'm dorothea i think dorothea excuse yeah. me i'm sorry i'm terrible with names when joe is talking to dorothea after the um first performance and he's like well what are we gonna do and she's like we're gonna come back and do it all again tomorrow and she gives him this story she says, I heard this story about a fish. He swims up to an older fish and says, I'm trying to find this thing they call the ocean. The ocean, the older fish says, that's what you're in right now. This, says the young fish, this is water. What I want is the ocean. <laughs> now, that completely went over my head the first time I didn't even think about it again <laughs> i wanted to talk about it now because i love stuff like this i love stories and analogies and just deep meanings so that story what are your thoughts on what that might mean it's it's a story i believe about perception and like and and being so like closed focused right on something that you believe is the, the 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 ideal right like the thing that you want most in life and you're so blinded by that that you don't realize that that thing you want you already have you know what i'm saying and it's all around you and that's sort of what i what i gathered from from that you know the, the interpretation of the fish in, in itself is very straightforward, but when you put that in in Joe's context, right? He's he he's wanted his entire life to 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 be to make it to make it as a jazz musician, and he gets his shot, and now he's like, okay, what's next? And she's like, we come back and do it again tomorrow. And he's like, no, that's not it. That's not what I envision. And it's like, no, but it exactly is like you're. You're in the band. You are now big time. You just don't realize it yet because you thought it would be something else. And that's that's sort of how I that's exactly how I interpreted it, which is like, and then you take you take Joe's interpretation and then you put it in your own life. Like, what have I been focusing on so much 
And, and is there any way that I'm anywhere close to that goal? And can I appreciate the fact that I'm even chasing that goal? You know what I'm saying? And just being able to take in everything that you're experiencing and make something out of that just as much as you are out of that goal that you're that you're aiming for absolutely this goes hand in hand with the main theme of appreciating the now and appreciating what you have and that nothing is guaranteed um this is just on a much more metaphoric scale of course and from here i think as humans what we do is we are always obsessed with the next thing. We're always obsessed with what we want in the moment and what comes next. Mm-hmm. Well, when I get this promotion, I'll be happy. Right. When I get to date this person that I'm really crushing on, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. When I make this amount of money, I'll be happy. When I go to that concert, I'll be happy. When I get to travel th- this country, I'll be happy. When I get to spend more time with this person, I'll be happy. Whatever it is, on a small scale or not, we always want that one thing and we obsess over it. For Joe, it's making it in music. It's being that someone that people can recognize and fulfilling his idea of what greater purpose is. But I think just in general as humans, when we get that promotion, when we get to date that significant other, when we get whatever it was that we wanted, Of course, we're appreciative in the moment. Of course, we love it. And that could last that appreciation, not physically doing that thing, dating that person in that job. That fulfillment lasts for a week or a month. Maybe it's even a year, but eventually that fulfillment dies. Because as humans, when we get up and we do the same routine things, go to that promotion you wanted. Wake up next to your significant other, that they were all you wanted for so long. When it becomes routine, the fulfillment gets lost. And you start focusing on the next thing. Now, by God, I'm not saying (laughs) you're focusing on your next significant other, but that's not what you want anymore. You want something else now. And that's all you think about. Well, now that me and my significant other are together, let's talk about getting married. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about buying a house. Let's talk about having children. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm saying no one really appreciates the now nearly as much as they desired getting it. And to me, that's what Joe says when what do we do next? And his disappointment when she says, we're doing it again, we're doing the same thing. That's what when the fish says, I'm looking for the ocean and the older fish says you're in it. And the fish doesn't, the younger fish doesn't say, oh, Oh my God, that's amazing. I'm too young and inexperienced to know that. He says, no, this is water. I want the ocean. Like (laughs) he's just thinking about the next thing. Right. And I know we've gotten very psychological here, but to me, that's exactly what that means. It talks about the obsession of humans. I know it's a story about fish, but like (laughs) it's the, it's our obsession for what we want. And then once we get it, we're not nearly as appreciative. Our what we want most is always what comes next. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that uh, interpretation is explored very, very well in this movie. You know, said and just the idea of you know pretty much every movie is a character going on the journey 
of realization. And, you know, and you just have to create your own unique journey, whatever that, that is. And this was Joe's. This was him, him experiencing death and him really taking stock of his life and getting a chance to really see uh, things through a new perspective and, and, and grow as a, as a human being, as we all want, as we all want to. And again, this is why I said like, you know, in 2020, this was like a revelation of a film, like just having that, this kind of story during that time, tremendous. And now even two years later, I'm looking back on it and I'm like, man, like, this, it really it really hit the nail on the head. I think it was, <clears throat> especially now looking back, it's um, it's 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 making me take stock of my life once again and going like, hey, there's there's opportunities here to slow down to appreciate and to do sometimes to do more and sometimes to do less, and you you have to appreciate those those things. And I think just what this film offers and what it represents is unbelievable it's it's hard to top well i mean we've only talked about two major scenes that carry this movie and as far as the uh psychological weight of it and the themes of it carry it but i think you look at between the barbershop scene between this fish scene and between the him laying out the minor items on the piano, I think between all of that, you're looking at some of the best moments in this movie, if not the best moments in this movie. I want to transition hard into Pete Doctor as mm. the director of this movie. Do you think collectively Pete Doctor has the best Pixar resume? And what I mean by that is just looking at, of course, Pixar reuses a couple of directors. Uh, Pete Doctor has done Inside Out. He has done Up and he has done Monsters, Inc. Mm. With that lineup, mm. do you think that makes him the most impressive Pixar director collectively? No, I do not think that makes him the most impressive. I think okay. that makes him the best <laughs> Pixar director, period. That really? lineup, That lineup is outrageous up monsters inc soul and what was the last one up monsters inc soul and inside out and inside out those are four of the i i mean i i i dare you to find anyone who doesn't have one of those movies in their top five pixar movies all time you know what i'm saying like the, like I, I would play a game with some of my coworkers. I would be like, "Hey, uh, we're not friends if you don't answer this question correctly." And I'd be like, "What's the best Pixar movie?" And they'd be like, "Oh no, like we ain't friends no more. Like that's ridiculous. Like you can't expect me to come up with an answer for that. Like that's a super difficult question." But I guarantee you, if I said, "All right, give me your top ten, three of the ones you just named are are up there." So like, um, yeah, I. It, like you could argue Brad Bird is definitely, you know what I'm saying, just with the Incredibles movies alone, is definitely a top uh top director in Pixar. But uh Pete Doctor's Pete Doctor's lineup is is uh, unmatched in my mind. Like those are those are four of the greatest films of I would argue some of the greatest films of all time, let alone the greatest Pixar films. So like, yeah. 
Pete Doctor is the best director that they have. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you on that lineup, despite me not being super high on any of those movies. Like I need to rewatch inside out, but the first time I I'm just not as high on inside out as a lot of people are not the biggest fan of up. I think up is, is some middle tier Pixar. And I certainly have my problems with Soul. Monsters Inc. is the best of those for me. Regardless, I think that collection is is the top. I think Ooh. that's the best one. Some contenders that you could argue. I think Andrew Stanton has two really two phenomenal ones, ones yeah. with Wally and Finding Nemo. He also did Finding Dory. <clears throat> I don't think that's enough. Like Wally, Finding Dory is not mean, great. Wally's Finding Dory is not great. No, Finding Dory is not great, but Wally is freaking amazing. So is so is Nemo. Yeah. So that's absolutely. a contender. Let's not be so quick to forget that Brad Bird not only did both the Incredibles movies, but he did Ratatouille as well. Oh. So certainly, I know you don't love that movie, Phoenix, no. but Ratatouille and the Incredibles—that's an impressive one. And then when you look at John Lasseter, I'm sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly, yeah. John Lasseter. He did what are my two favorite Pixar movies in Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2. He also did Cars and Cars 2 and A Bug's Life. Mm. So that's a fairly impressive lineup, too. I mean, Cars 2 is the worst Pixar movie to date. (laughs) But I think Cars is very underrated. I think the original Cars is pretty good. And then you look at Toy Story, Toy Story 2. Those are classics. I'd say John Lasseter is the I, one that we can rival. Yeah. I would I would definitely put John Lasseter as a solid number two behind the doctor. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Pixar's got a good one for yeah. sure. So does this mean uh Pete Doctor's gonna direct Avengers Secret Wars? <laughs> I would love it. I would yeah. love it. <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be such a weird transition. Um <laughs> where does this stack up? In your Pixar ranking, Soul among Pixar, I know it's in. Uh, I would, I would probably put this in my top five Pixar. What? Probably top five. Um, I don't. I would, maybe. I I may have to reassess that at some point. Um, but having not seen any of the Cars movies, and I still have not seen The Good Dinosaur, I think those are the only ones left. Uh, that I haven't seen, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think it will do in my top five. I mean, Wally is definitely up there. Uh, Toy Story, uh, one of the Toy Stories, not exactly sure which one, um, is definitely up there. And um, yeah, I, I, I would uh, Soul is probably up there just because it's the most. I will say this. If I were eight, nine years old and I had just seen Soul, it probably obviously would not be. It, uh, there's no way. It just uh, it doesn't have anything that I could connect to at that young of an age. But having been a person of you know experience and regret, absolutely regret, I think goes a long way into appreciating this film. Um, yeah, like it's up there and it's up there high because it, it it deals with themes that after a certain age 
no other Pixar movie can really match. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, there's there's greatness in each of them. It, there's greatness in Wally. There's greatness in Up. There's greatness in The Incredibles. But like the themes that that uh, Soul has, I just don't think there's there's been another film, at least in Pixar's library, that contends with how deep and how affecting that film, that theme is. For me right now, I'm re-ranking and re-watching all the Pixar movies, so I don't have a complete list of 26, I believe there are. Right now I'm at 18. As it stands at 18 of the 18 I've seen, it's at number 9. I will say that that's likely to fall out of 10, just statistically wise, if I've got 8 more to watch and it's 2 away from falling out of the top 10. Maybe. Maybe. I do have it higher than some absolute Pixar titans. Wally, Up, Ratatouille. Um, I think it's better than those movies. But I don't have it as high as Luca. I don't have it as high as The Incredibles or Cars. I just think, and as we transition kind of into final thoughts, I'll, I'll let you close this one. My final thoughts here on, on Soul are, despite its tremendously beautiful messaging and it's incredibly rich themes blowing every other Pixar movie out of the water with its themes and what it's trying to say that alone should put it in the top five those moments when those moments are not being actively searched upon in this movie the rest is a you can hold that. I'm not saying the rest is terrible. That's not at all what I'm saying. But anytime it's not slapping me across the face with messaging, I don't love this movie. Mm. I don't. I found myself getting on my phone certain times when they were just making little gag jokes and like when they were taking a break from the absolute mind bend that they're putting on you. My final thoughts on Soul are when it's communicating its absolute gorgeous messaging about life, appreciation, and living in the now, whether it's that barbershop scene, whether it's the fish story, whether it's pretty much the whole third act, this movie is goddamn beautiful. Those moments in between, and by God, there are a lot of moments in between, this is just not, it's just not it for me. So when you combine those two, it makes it a really solid film, but not one that I think is top shelf. For my final score, I had it at three and a half originally. Coming into this recording, I had it at three and a half. However, us talking about just how thematically rich it is, I'm going to bump it up to a four. So I'll give it a four out of five, which is still a tremendous, tremendous overall score. I love this movie. I think the non-thematically rich elements just completely hold it back. I can totally see that. Um, uh, And of course, obviously, I disagree. (laughs) Um, I think there are moments that, you know, uh, bring levity to this film, which I think absolutely you need. Um, There is some... 
uh, I guess the word is is silliness that I would use. There is some silliness to it, um, but the the maturity of those things, like you you hit it, you you said it, it's so rich, it's so thematically rich that it's really really impossible to deny. And I think it's the it's the thing that sticks with you after viewing it way more so than those other those other issues that come up. You know the the plot contrivances and you know saying maybe the childish nature of it all there's so much richness to it not just in the themes but also in the animation in the decisions that are made and you know saying the color pattern and the score god jesus oscar winning score um so so much that i'm just like overwhelmed by it and and it stays with me that this is now my third viewing of of this movie um and yeah, it, it it stays with me. I gave it five stars the, the first time we saw it, and I'm sticking with that. It's still five stars to me. It's it was my number one movie of 2020. It is, in my opinion, one of Pixar's best films ever that they've done. So that that's where I'm at. Soul, I think, is tremendous. It's really one of the one of the best of Pixar. All right. Perfect. Five from Phoenix, four from me. Um, This has been our review of Soul. Hopefully you guys really enjoyed this. If you did, please go back, check out our other episodes. I think this is going to be episode 11 total, and we're just getting started, baby. We're going to be here for the long run. I've got the next two months planned out for what we're doing. So hopefully you enjoyed this. If you are, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you are listening to this. We are over on TikTok at End Credits Pod. You get to see my beautiful face every day on your phone. So go check that out, talking about movies and TV and all that jazz. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening. Phoenix, go ahead and tell the folks about your podcast. You guys can find me uh, as a co-host and editor of the Film Code podcast. Um, we are on everywhere you guys can find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you guys listen to your film review TV shows, uh, Film Code Pod. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Film Code Pod. And follow me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. And on Letterboxd at PA Cloud. Uh, and thanks for having me on, bro. Plenty of outlets to find Mr. Cloud in here. Plenty yes. of outlets, so please go ahead. We're going to be seeing a lot more of Phoenix here coming up, and he's on some of our previous episodes. If you go ahead, click back. Um, my name is Nathan Pig. Phoenix, thanks so much for joining us. Big, big, big shout-out to our executive producer, Jack Feifner. Could not do what we do without his tremendous work, so thank you to him. From Jack, from Phoenix, from myself, this has been the End Credits Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>